0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Mass Construction Show. I'm your host, Joe Kelly, and this is a podcast about all things construction in Massachusetts and beyond. We're back with Mike Bacopio for another real estate management and leadership episode. Please let us know what you think of these short, non-construction-focused podcasts. We'd love your feedback. Today's show is brought to you by Central, commercial carpenters, and supporters of our conversation. Enjoy the show. Michael, you wrote a piece about... Your company's willingness to invest in understanding your people—I think most companies would rightfully and kind of quickly think to, "Hey, what 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 tools do we need? What technology do we do, do we need to understand our business? Whether it's accounting to know on a month-to-month basis what's happening or trends, uh, things that are holding up projects, where we're losing money." Um, how do you look uh, look at your people in a way that you're trying to understand them to get the most out of your people, just like you try to get the most out of your projects or your company? And not necessarily just the most to be the most profitable, but also for them to get the most satisfaction as well, because I think those are tied.
1: Yeah, for, for sure they are. So um yeah, you make a good point. I, th- I think in this business, a lot of people focus on, or in any business for that matter, a lot of people focus on how do I how do I assess my business? How do I assess my properties? Metrics. If you're not me- if you're
0: not measuring, you're not whatever right, they right. say, and, right? And,
1: and we use like a million things to do that, right? I mean, in our business, we you know we got Procore and we can assess how our jobs are going, and we've got I- IMS for our investor management, and you know Chatham for our debt, and like all these different tools that we use. And and in the world of uh, of SAS, you know, software as a service, right? Every one of these is 50 or 60 or $70,000 a year, right? You rapidly come up to a quarter million dollars or more just kind of in your tools that you use, um, to assess your business. So for, for us, you know, we, we believe that our most important assets are our, our people, right? Um, it sounds like a buzzword, but the reality is I couldn't do what I do. I couldn't execute on this level, Um, without the team that we've assembled. And we've spent an inordinate amount of money to very intentionally assemble the team that we have. There's no one that's here by chance. There's no one that's here that I don't want here. Um, And when you do that with that intentionality, you want to be able to build that team in a way that's going to be super efficient and super effective, not just for the business, but for them as individuals, right? My goal is to grow people to lead people effectively, but to grow them so that they're better. Uh, They're better personally. They're better at home. They're better in the workplace. They're better at their jobs. They're better whole people, right? Um, You know, kind of as an aside before we get into some of the things that we do, um, you know, I reject the concept of work-life balance. We have one life. Part of life is work. Part of life is home. Part of life is leisure. Part of life is fitness. Those things all fit together, Right, it's not this scale where I have check marks I have to do over here and check marks I have to do over here, and those things have to be in balance. There might be seasons in life where my life is is more consumed by work, and there might be seasons where it's more consumed by home, or it might be more consumed by children versus my marriage. Right, like there's there's a whole plethora of ways to look at that. But our goal is to have and to impact to, to have to have an impact on the whole person. Right, who they are here, who they are at home. Um. We use a couple of tools to do that specifically. A lot of people laugh at personality tests and personality assessments. They can be super, super valuable. And I think where people get lost is they don't really take the time to understand how to use the tool or what the tool is specifically used for. So we use two primary uh, assessment tools. We use the DISC and we use Working Genius. And we use them for two very different things. They're both kind of uh, personality aptitude assessments uh, that you take. They're very, very hard to game. You, you can try to like cheat the system and it doesn't work. Like it asks you questions in such a way that you actually can't game the system. Um, they are generally uncanny when people get the results. The people are actually kind of in some ways freaked out. They're like, how does the computer understand this about me? This is how I've always felt. I, I've, I've never understood that. Why is this? So we use them in two different ways. DISC we use to understand how people process change and how people communicate with others. Um, so I'm not going to get into how the whole system works, but it's really good. One of the outputs that we have from that actually is, is in some ways like a cheat sheet and it says, Hey, you know, to communicate with Joe, be direct, uh, don't ever lie to him. Um, if you don't know the answer, say, I don't know, but I'll get you the information. All right. Like all sorts of very practical things like that. The system can spit out and be like, Hey, to communicate with Mike, You know, you do X, Y, Z. Here's how, here's what Mike never wants to see in communication, right? And and it can be really, really useful in understanding how people process change. Um, We use it all the time. We're in a rapidly growing business, so there's a lot of change happening. And in that system, we have a lot on our team. We have a lot of what are called high S's and high C's, stability and caution. And how high S's and high C's process rapid change is very, very different than how high Ds, which I am, decisive, or high I's, interactive, how they process change. The high Ds and high I's just roll with it, man. The more change, the better. We are just change it all. Throw the baby out with the bathwater we're in. High C's and high S's, they take time. They need information. They need a roadmap. They need to clearly see how they fit into the change. They need to understand, right? So you know, that's one simple example, but it's all about how they process information and how they communicate. Working genius is different. Working genius is an assessment that determines how you work on a team, and we build teams around working genius, right? There's people that are inventors. There's people that are wanderers, right? There's people that right. So, so all of these different, um, all of these different elements. There's people that galvanize. There's people, right? So. When you start to look at working genius, you're able to say, okay, who are the people that need to be in the room to come up with a unique solution to a problem? Well, I want my inventors in the room, right? I, I, I you know, I want, you know... Who do we need? We need to motivate the team. We're, we're up on a deadline. We really need to motivate people. Who do I want in the room? Well, is it the wanderers? Well, probably not. They're going to sit around just wondering all day. Wow, we could do this better. We could do that better. They're not the guys to have in the room. You want the galvanizers in the room, the people that know how to galvanize the, the team and push them forward, right? And again, like DISC, it's very uncanny in that it unpacks what you are. What it does is it puts you into, into three categories, and it basically says, hey, here's your working genius. This is where you're uniquely better than everybody else. Right. So for me, it's invention and galvanizing. Right. Um, And then it says, here's your here's some competencies. You can do them. You don't love them. They don't give you joy. You don't draw energy off of them. And then here's your frustrations. And these are the things that whether you're good at them or not, they suck the life out of you. And we don't want
0: you doing them. It's funny. We all intuitively know those things. Right. And then when you when you get that paper and you see it, you're like, holy shit. Yep. That's. That's me. That's me. Here's
1: why I don't like that. Right.
0: Can I ask you, will you, let's say you're going to put a project team together to go build a particular project or whatever. Do you intentionally create almost like a recipe and say, Hey, this is what these are. And then that will decide who goes there.
1: It doesn't always work a hundred percent of the time because what ends up happening is, um,
0: if all three project generally, managers generally,
1: superintendents have a similar profile. Generally, project managers have a su- a similar profile, right? So there are some exceptions, and yes, absolutely, we do, especially between like on a broader team. So especially between like the superintendents and the and the uh, and the project manager, you want to cover those things, right? You know, y- you don't really need wonder on that team, right? Right? Wonder is what we want on the development team, where they're looking at a piece of dirt. And saying, man, like what we could do here. They're 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 full. Yeah, of wonder, they could right? envision
0: all the people going there. And what do,
1: what and do it, you want on a uh, on a on a project team? You want galvanizing, right? You want the implementation side of this, right? You want people that can get people to motivate people and can move people along and can invent solutions to complex problems that come up. Those are what you want there, right? So we absolutely, it's like a recipe, and we'll. We'll sometimes look at dysfunctional teams and we'll say, well, here's, here, there's no inventor. This is why they can't solve problems. There's nobody who actually is solving the problem. Like they're all very good at what they do.
0: Yeah. Give me directions that I can go to. But they need an inventor on the
1: team. Right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it, it's impactful when you, if if you're going to be diligent and deliberate about building teams, you have to use this kind of stuff. You have to invest in it. So when people come on team Procopio, they're absolutely getting both of these before they're ever hired. So we use this as part of the hiring process. Um, the first thing they're going to get is disc. That's going to get unpack kind of how they think about things. And we're going to be able to see, see a lot about who they are and how they're going to interact. Um, and then working genius, especially matters when we talk about how is this person going to interface on a team, especially if we're hiring for an already tight knit team, we want to make sure that we're not hiring a disruptor when we don't want someone that's going to disrupt that. We want someone that's going to fit in and solve a problem. We're going to, we're going to figure that out through the working genius. Mm.
0: W- one funny story here uh i was doing this it was a myers-briggs version and i was doing it with a room full of project managers and to nobody's surprise almost everybody in the group was the same yep and then there was two people woman and man that were in 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 a different category and you go over the two of them were career transitions one was a carpenter. The other was a former architect. And so there weren't that true yep. project manager, like liking yep. lists, needing it to be organized, yep. give me clear directions on, on yep. uh, how things go. And everybody fell in that box. They were spreadsheet lovers. They yep. were list lovers, that kind of stuff. And the, only the two there were creative, you know, and it was funny just to see that their background yep. came from uh, a, a different place. I do want to ask you, as far as the understanding goes, you know you had in a post where you said understanding the the legitimacy of their anxieties about what they have never experienced and turning that into steady confidence is a game changer so how i read that is that everybody has anxieties everybody has fears and once you understand what those are that helps you get over those fears, and that's kind of like an unlock for people. Do, do you ever see um, this assisting in folks yeah. getting past those things? Yeah, absolutely. Say, oh, do they, do, is, is it ever yeah. that they're like, oh, you know what? I didn't know that about myself, but you know what? Now, after reading this, you're right. Every time this happens, I do get frustrated or whatever. Right.
1: So I, I think, well, there's two pieces to that. So So in terms of the assessments and the way we train on them, because we don't just do the assessment and hand it to the person, we use it to make decisions. We hire and fire on it, and we train around it a lot. Um, so Shelby, who runs our our people and culture, is a is a certified trainer for these. Right? We we do that internally uh, regularly. Um, what this usually exposes for people is it tells people it's okay. You know, it kind of kind of like therapy in some ways, right? Like it tells you it's okay to feel this way. Okay, it's okay that it, you know, you're high C. Like it's telling you like you're a ca- you, you 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 communicate with caution. You it's okay that you need more time. It's okay that that's how your mind works. It's okay, right? A lot of times people bear a lot of unrealistic expectations. Like you, know, you take me. I'm radically different from a high C personality, right? In a lot of organizations my high C project manager might feel a lot of pressure because they don't respond to situations like me, mm-hmm. right? They're going to feel a lot of pressure. Well, that's not how Mike I can would see do it, it right? I can see well, it. we're totally different personality types. It's okay that you're different from me. It's okay that you respond to information differently from me, right? We're going to respond differently to that information. So I think what this does is to your point about helping them get over some of those anxieties, this gives them a roadmap, like we talked about with any other rules, this gives them a roadmap to where it's okay that they're like this right? None of this is negative, right? It's not a good thing or a bad thing that you're a high C or a high D or that you're an inventor or a wanderer. It's just who you are. How do you now fit on the team and how are we able to use what you previously thought might have been a handicap? Well, I'm quiet. I don't like to be in front of a crowd. I'm, I'm not high I interactive, right? Well, how do we, how do we use that as, a, as an advantage? That's not a disadvantage. It means you're good at something else. And we're going to find that and we're going to unlock that through this process, which is going to free you to really perform, right? Don't live inside of someone else's expectations. Don't, don't sit there and think, well, I need, to, I need to communicate or be the public face the way Mike and Brian are. Well, that's different. We, we are very unique personalities. That's why we're good at what we do, right? You know what I'm not good at? I'm a terrible project manager. I was one. Hmm. I'm a terrible project manager. You know what gets lost? All the details. Yep. Right. I look at the building. I'm like, building's up yep. with success. Yep. I don't know where the budget was. I don't know who, I don't know whether it was on schedule or not. Right. Legitimately. I mean, I yeah. was a project manager. I was a terrible project manager because mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm, I'm way too big picture to effectively do that job. Yep. Um, it's not a good thing or a bad thing. It's just understanding what we're good at. And this is a tool that really helps us to do that. I think a broader piece of that quote, um, that you read about understanding people's legitimate anxieties came from me. Um, Realizing, looking at my team, which is which is generally younger, um, as we've grown, we have some some uh, mid career professionals here, but most of this team was homegrown. A significant piece of this team came with me from the single family world into institutional, multifamily, and larger construction and development. And it was the realization that some of them had simply they had certain anxieties because they had never experienced something, right? Um, And this applies to everything, right? Like you're a project manager. Eventually, you're a project manager long enough, you'll make a six-figure mistake. You will. You might make a seven-figure mistake, right? It's it's just statistical probability. You're going to at some point in your career. Um, Until you've done that, you have a certain anxiety about it. Once you've done it and it's in the rearview mirror, number one, you're never going to do it again. But number two, that anxiety has come down a little bit because you now have confidence in navigating that situation. Right. You've learned from that situation. Um, maybe it's not a mistake. Maybe it's just experiences that there's anxiety about. Right. Maybe you're a project, a new project manager, you have closed out a building. And you've got anxiety about what turnover looks like. I don't know. I've never done this. I've never handed this off to an owner. Um, maybe it's uh, you know a new development PM that's never put debt, never had to close a loan, never had to review loan documents. Like, what is it when you get handed 600 pages of loan documents and you're the guy that has to take the lead on reviewing them, right? There's a certain anxiety around that. Um, if you think about the times we're in now, um, we, a while ago, looked at this maybe six, eight months ago when the economy started to turn and we knew that there was going to be significant you know, rate changes and like disruption in the industry. We were joking that that uh, my dad, myself, and Neil were the only guys in real estate development in the last downturn in our office of so 50 people, yeah, crazy, right? right? There's other people that worked through that. They weren't in like the development capital markets kind of role that we're in here now. And that was kind of a wake-up call to us to be like, hey, guys, you need to shepherd the team through this. They've never experienced the downturn. They've only experienced deals that made money. They've never experienced a deal that was a, that, that that lost money. They've never had to walk away from a deposit just because it was the right thing to do, even though you were walking away from three hundred thousand dollars and saying we're we're not we're not going to do this, right? Um, and you could even take positive things, right? There's team members that have never no, you know never won an award, right? And now you, now maybe there's anxiety around like what am I supposed to do? Like I just won this award. I have to go up on stage. I have to receive. It, it 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 can extend to every area, but it, we've kind of had a wake up call of how do you take. These anxieties that are legitimate. It's perfectly legitimate for someone who's never worked in real estate through a downturn to be to be anxious about what the world looks like right now, right? How do you take that, speak to that anxiety, calm the anxiety? And harness that same mental energy that was going into those anxious thoughts around that. How do you harness that and turn it into confidence? Because that's the secret sauce. Now you've taught someone how to be confident in the face of adversity or be confident in the face of anxiety or unknown situations. That person is now going to be a game changer for you. That's what moves the
0: needle. Yeah, it's funny. The reason that sentence resonated with me, I don't even remember what post I had pulled it from, but I kind of lumped it into this this post because of the you know employee assessment but it resonated with me more on the um success the anxiety that people have with success because it's obvious for people to be, okay, this person's nervous they never told, turned over a building before. This person's nervous because they, you know, whatever uncomfortable situation that- ever been sued, had, never had to never yeah. had to go to a deposition, right? Like it, that's yep. part of
1: life in this it, business, but like people haven't
0: done it. Yeah, and everybody's going to look at that and say, yeah, that makes sense, that person's nervous. But that person just won an award. Yeah. Or they have, the, you know, the, they are now a project executive. These are all things we're like, oh, these are wonderful things. Right these are good things, why would they be nervous? They just got a promotion, they just got an award. Well, when you're in a place that you've never been before, whether that's a good place or a bad place, that can be really uncomfortable or anxiety provoking, whatever the right word is there. And I think realizing that and saying like, okay, let's understand that even though everyone's saying this is great and everyone's running around being a cheerleader for this person, this person's actually probably in a bad place. It needs to, you know, need some attention. I thought I thought that was astute and, um, and I think often gets missed. So yeah, that, that's I, why I, I kind of liked it.
1: Yeah, and I, I agree. I mean, I, I think a lot comes down to our ability as leaders to come alongside our people, meet them where they are. And in many cases, I think the secret to leadership is giving something that you were never given. Now, some people had the privilege to come up under phenomenal leaders, right? There's there's people that worked for Jack Welch. Right there, right there. It's always out there. But I think most of us as leaders had to push through bad leadership at times. And the secret is how do we give those that were leading what we didn't get, right? How do we understand how to meet them where they are and really, really do what it takes to level them up? Um, I wouldn't change... My team for the world, right? There's a lot of homegrown talent here. There's been a lot of pain along the way, but when you when you are able to actually grow and shepherd those homegrown team members, they're the most loyal. They're the most committed. They're the most engaged in what they're doing and in their own success. And if you're able to give them a piece of the upside, either emotionally or actually tangibly, um, that that's how that's how you build truly effective teams, right? And understanding how they interact with their coworkers, what they need, um, goes, a, goes a long way because you're not just clumping people together and saying, go sit in this trailer and do this job. You're actually building a team, a real team, um, around data. And then you're sitting, be able to sit back and watch that team do what it's supposed to do and function properly. Um, it's impactful. It makes a difference.
0: It's funny. I, working with Wentworth to do something on leadership, a dean's panel they're putting together. And I had posted on Instagram that I was interested in, you know, who were some people that they would consider great leaders in the construction industry. And someone from your company responded. Uh, I'm not using names because I don't know if they want that to, but it was interesting. They mentioned two people at your firm that I wouldn't have picked or not, not that I wouldn't have picked. I don't know anybody enough to decide who's a good leader, but not what, cause it, he said Procopio companies. And then I was like, you know, well, who are we talking about here? <laughs> yeah, there's you know, a bunch of us. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you know, you might think he's coming back with you or Greg or something yeah, like yeah. that. And it wasn't. Yeah. And I was like, that's pretty good. That's great. You know, that's great. Um, so that, uh, that says something to what you what yeah. you have here. That's
1: great. That's good. That's good to hear. I mean, I, I genuinely look at my job primarily as creating leaders. That's that's what I try to do every day, right? And if I can do that successfully, then we'll be successful.
0: Can I ask you? And I'll give you a minute to think about this because I'll give you an example of what happened with me, and I think you'll see where I'm going with it. But was there anything that you saw in your? Um, Results or either of those that made you realize that you might have been managing people incorrectly? And I'll give you my example, so if, and I'll also give you a minute to think about it. Um, my re- results said probably, I'm probably going to be similar to you, one of them with it was you thrive in chaos, right? Which is counterintuitive, but I don't know why. That's just like that was it and it was very clear in the results that um, when you're managing me don't tell me what to do tell me what you want what's your end result say hey I need this to get done and I want that and I will go do it like if you come to me and say okay I need you to do this and I want the first step to look like this and then I want you to tweak this and put it over here my response would be like you do it. If you want, like, if you want that, you do it. Cause if you want me to do it, I'll go do it. Don't tell me the 99 steps to do it and like be over my, like, that's how I feel. Like I just want to do it. So I was managing someone and I managed them like I wanted to be managed. So I would say here, like, can you take it? What I need is this. And then I would walk away. And after a while they were like, listen, you give me all these things to do. and You don't tell me how to do them. And you, you know, don't tell me what you want. I don't know what that looks like. And I was like, and after seeing that, I was like, there's where our problem is. I'm managing this person. Like I would want to be managed, which is here's what I need. Go figure it out. And they were someone that needed directions and steps and clarity. Was there anything that you saw in yourself that? For,
1: for sure, for sure, the exact same thing. I, I managed people based on how I wanted to be managed. It's actually really hard for it, it's harder to do that the further from the center line you are. Like on the disc, it's it's a it's a scale, right? So I'm a 99D, <laughs> right? Zero to 99 to zero to 100. <laughs> Craig would I'm a, say
0: you're a 99D. Yeah, no, I'm a <laughs> 99D. I'm a
1: 99I. Um. And, and
0: yeah, like zero on the other two. <laughs> I'm 10 on C, so for
1: caution. Greg's, Greg's a 99 on caution, right? So so um, for me, it absolutely changed how I managed. So it's, the, point, the point I was starting to make is the further you are from that center line, from the 50, 50s are super adaptable, right? They're very stable across the board. They can speak to the highs, they can speak to the lows, they can speak across the silos. Soon as you get up either like a 10 or like a 90, right? You're speaking a different language right than the other people. You might as well be speaking Mandarin, right? It's just totally, you don't communicate. You're talking past each other. Your expectations are totally different. So for me, the the real impactful piece of disc in particular was how I communicate with my high S's and high C's, which is the vast majority of my company, how they need to be managed. And a lot of it comes down to communication and pace, right? Me, I decide to make a change. I roll the change out immediately. Maybe it's wrong. Maybe it's chaos. I don't know. Work through it. Push through it. Get to the other side. This is what we're doing. That is not at all how those people need to interact. They need communication. They need regular communication. They need early communication. They need often communication. They need hugs. They need hand-holding. Not because they're not competent, because it's how they process information. And it's how they reassert themselves into a situation. They need that. It's not that they want it. They need it right? And how you communicate with them. So that was the the, the biggest radical change for me was absolutely how I communicate and how I manage the high S's and high C's. I used to get frustrated, right? One of them, you know, one of my high C's would pop into my office and want to talk about something that I immediately realized that they were literally just wanting to talk about with me to process in their own brain. And it was Mm -hmm. a complete waste of my time. Mm -hmm. That used to frustrate me. Now I see it as necessary. Okay. I need to pause for 10 minutes, talk this through with them because it's going to make them better as they go off to do whatever it is that they want to talk through doing, right? Yeah. If I or that can you make need the, them to do. If it. I can create the space for them to be able to do that because this is how they process and communicate, mm. that's really important.
0: Mm. Do you ever think about um, maybe there should be uh, a second person where um, you have that idea and then you're like, Oh, 100%. Hey, uh, Sally. Oh, 100%. Well, that, that's exactly <laughs> Why what don't we're... you put together a plan to roll this out? Have this oh, you what... met Greg? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah.
1: No, this, this is, this is, this is. You know, Greg and I work really well. Greg and Mark and I, all of us work really well together. But Greg and I, in particular,ly work well together because we are not the same person. If I had to be partners with me, explosive, right? And frankly, if Greg had to be partners with Greg,
0: nothing. Yeah, nothing yeah, would. No, 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 to, no
1: big vision yeah. would happen there, right? And that's not a bad thing. Greg and I paired together. Have been highly, highly effective because he's a high S, high C. He's the exact opposite of what I am. He's not only able to understand, and Greg's done a really good job of learning how to talk to me and the high, high D, high I people a better job than I have. Um, where you know he's able to be the bridge to that group. In fact, we, we have we set expectations, um, and we do these expectation meetings with all of our all of our reports. So I do it with my leadership team. They then do it down with them with their teams. And what it's designed to do is say, hey, what do, you, what do you think the expectations are for your job? And we look at that list, and sometimes they're actually not real, and I delete them. And here's my expectation. And we come up with one list of expectations. So, Joe, you report to me. You have a list of expectations. There's nothing unspoken. You know exactly what my expectations are written out in your job. I expect you to do this. I expect you to do this. I expect you to do this. One of Greg's is be a bridge to my high S's and high C's. Right. He's literally that tool. One of his expectations for me as a leader here is that he cre- he is that bridge to those people that I struggle communicating with. He's good, he's good at communicating with me, and he's really good at communicating with them. And he creates that bridge. And I have other people here that can do that as well. But he's a good example of it. And it's like to the point where it's codified. It's in his. It's one of like 10 expectations that I have for him in his job is be a bridge for me to that those members of our team that I struggle communicating with and leading because I'm moving so fast. Yeah. It,
0: it, I, I am sitting here smiling as you're talking because I, I, I'm much closer to you but I, I'm probably only an 80 right <laughs> and even even for me I'm sometimes like all right he needs to fucking chill out and, and, and I'm fine with <laughs> absolute chaos but I'm like he's gonna just slow it down a bit because yeah. we're, we're like you know yeah. and that's from someone who just like has no problem with rapid change and chaos and whatever. And even I'm like, all right, fucking, you gotta pump the brakes a little, bro. So like, fast,
1: <laughs> move fast, just leave it in the wake. And right, it's, it's, it's a it's a high D, right? It, frankly, it makes for a good CEO, probably not a good COO, yeah. right? That has to wrangle all the operational details. That's not what I'm good at. Yeah. I'm good at being the visionary, and I'm good at running to the goal, and I'm good at galvanizing everybody else and motivating everyone else and casting the vision. Am I the guy you want responsible for the details? Absolutely Immediately, not. no. Yeah, me Immediately, too. no.
0: Yes. Yeah. No. 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 Actually, if Greg is ever kicking around this office today, we should bring him in for five minutes, and we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll hit record, and I think we'll get some <laughs> entertainment. <laughs>